this is Kirsten Helgeson, and you are listening to the Girl Talk podcast. And I'm super excited because I have a fantastic new friend here with us today. And I wanted to just have her quick say hi to everyone and do a little introduction of herself. Hi, I'm Aksir. I'm from Delhi. Hi, Aksir. I'm shy. <laughs> hi. <laughs> it's okay. We like shy people. <laughs> So I am just really excited to talk to you because uh, you're such a an interesting woman who is doing amazing stuff. So tell me a little bit about some of the stuff that's kind of weighing on your heart. Hmm. I, the, a big one is how I think that all of us in patriarchy are suffering and uh, and all of us are also at the same time hating on femininity right? Like across genders, I, I find, mm -hmm. and uh, sort of seeing that as the problem and sort of like seeing stereotypical or like what we think are representative members of another sex or gender as sometimes I'm not all feminists, but some of us. And that really, that really pisses me off. So how, like, are there any specific experiences that you've had that have really triggered all of this for you? understanding that okay so i'll i mean when i was when i was younger i used to be physically repulsed by the color pink right so it's it's really? been like a very it's been a very personal journey for me also to sort of reconcile um my gender and my sexuality and my politics um with how i choose to be in the world as a woman and it's, it's, I mean, the first person that I would point to, like, if, if you're saying what has triggered this, I, I would think that it's my personal experience above anything else that has made me really empathize with this, uh, with this disavowal of femininity. Mm -hmm. So how does that, how do you navigate that in a, in a place like India? So I am very lucky to have a family that, I mean, they're not spectacularly liberal by any means but they raise me in a way that I can always you know like um I can always make it their fault I can I can always say what did you think um raising a daughter with with these ideas my mom raised me to be a feminist even if she <laughs> doesn't want to acknowledge it uh, sometimes <laughs> uncomfortable at <laughs> how that turned out you know do but, you think um, do you yeah, think that she's like yeah. really proud of you like is secretly proud of you for all of the great stuff that you're doing i think they're terrified and they're proud both definitely yeah <laughs> mostly <laughs> mostly terrified <laughs> what what are they so worried about it's i i don't know if this is how the, i mean i don't know if this is how parents are globally but in india we're just like we're very um connected like that's the psych term for it is just too invested in the, the child is almost never a separate human being at all you know and mm -hmm. so they, they're just worried because it, they don't have control and because they we're making decisions that they would never and they can't do anything about it have you found that like they've evolved in their own thinking and the way that they do things by seeing you and supporting you and like seeing you as an example and kind of navigating new territory for them. I that's the, yeah, that's definitely why I'm so lucky is because they have 
try to learn from it and they have like it's not that they want to understand or empathize with or get to know about every aspect like every single thing i'm challenging but they um they did take so i went through a period of recovery from bipolar disorder i'm still on medication and and that it was a long period of time it was about 5 years um and you know so that their attitude kind of shifted in that time as well so i think all of us learned so you started off in law school right but now you're doing psychotherapy work which i find really fascinating is is your own mental health journey like the uh the catalyst of all of that for you or what like sparked this kind of sh- big shift like that so i ended up in law school because i i mean i knew i wanted to study psychology but um, we went to a career counselor and at that point she said that the market wasn't great in india it, it still isn't the best and so sort of driven by that pragmatic consideration i went to law school and then it was while i was working at this ngo that um, in amdavad that things started breaking for me i i my you know i um, i was idealistic i thought i could change the world i was there was a lot of hubris there was a lot of ego and all of that started crumbling uh, in that space and so that became depression and then and then bipolar and so it it was essentially um, an existential crisis i didn't know what i was doing like i didn't know why i was here i didn't know why this meant anything and then through recovering from that i found my purpose you were pretty young when you had this existential crisis for yourself. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But like as amazing at the same time too because I you've been able to then like really make a big pivot for yourself pretty quickly too. How what what was what is your purpose then? Like what are you put on this earth to do? I feel like I'm put on the earth to teach people not teach people how to listen but sort of like teach people that it's important to listen and if we could just do that we would so many of us would not uh find ourselves you know in psychiatric care do you think that if you would have had someone who could truly listen to you back when you were going through your existential crisis that it would have changed a lot of things for you Yeah, you know, I was I was in a small town with with mostly with a bunch of young young men, uh not so not so many women and uh just not able to be seen or like know how to talk about what I wanted to talk about. It was very very isolated and just yeah. So then how did you start getting into like that listening space? Like how did you first jump into it? No, I've always been an agony aunt or a listener. But um Oh, you have. Really? Of, That's awesome. That's yes, awesome. yes, all my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then when you were like, okay, we're going to do some I'm going to be a psychotherapist and we're going to start a movement around like helping people learn how to listen again. What was what did you like did it immediately start to take off or did you run into any like roadblocks at all or like how did you start to put all of this together oh right so i was i just uh, started my masters in psychology and at that time the idea was simple it was it was that we were dealing with theory and i wanted having you know like with a law degree and having sort of uh, chosen this other path i really wanted my education to give me a lot and i felt that there wasn't enough uh, practical input so that's where i started and then one of people that 
the dream at that point was that some of us from the class would uh, take this forward. And one of those people told me about peer support groups, and I thought about it. And eventually, it was just me because I, I mean, um, but the roadblock was has been uh, convincing college administrations to invest in this. Because if you go to a college administration and you say that you know, even if you, even if I say that Trinity College of Dublin has done this, and I'm not. I'm not really creating anything new. I'm just trying to use them, their resources um, and adapt it to an Indian context. They will still say, who are you? How many degrees do you have? Who's backing you? You know, um, why should we fund this? So that's that's mm-hmm. been a big problem. Do you th- is it like a mindset in organizations that they don't see the value in listening? Or what do you think is getting in their way? I think it's a very radical idea for them that uh, experts are not irrelevant. We're not suggesting that they're irrelevant at all, but that uh, this is a problem that can be solved by lay people. Like it's it's not, it's too much, it's, um, it's maybe too abstract to say that this is a, you know, it, it's a problem on the level of the culture in a law school or the culture in any college. Um, and it's it's something that just leadership by students is what will ultimately solve them it is solve the problem it's it's a little out there uh, you know it's funny i i experience the same kinds of things because uh you know in in the work that i do i'm like let's just talk folks like let's sit down and actually share our emotions and our experiences and you don't have to be some sort of like phd to have a conversation with someone and it's almost like this radical notion that simple things can actually have like the the biggest impact, right? Like, and you're like, you tell yeah. someone, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just gonna talk to you. They're like, what? Don't I need something else, like some pills or something, or like some technology widget? It's like, no, I'm just gonna talk to each other. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. People think like the. Like the basic human interaction is now become so foreign to folks because they don't know how to do it. Like it's some we've lost it somewhere. That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So, so mm-hmm. what do you like? You're actually talking to because how is it as you're talking to folks? You're talking about like active listening and like are you? How are you going about like bringing people along with you in that process? How has it been uh, trying to bring people along with me? Yeah. Um, not as lonely as I thought it it has been a lot of saying the same thing over and over and, you know, iterating that over time and, and it has been lonely, but I, I've had a lot of people that have intuitively got it and that have then championed it and really gotten behind it. And, uh, they may not, they may not boil it down to femininity the way that I do, or they, you know, they may agree with a fraction of it. They may feel strongly about one particular articulation of it or like one particular creative that a friend has helped me with. But I mean, they've, I've found that there has been, uh, people have always said, don't stop doing what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. which is incredibly encouraging. Isn't it fa- like, so I've actually been doing, uh, spending a lot of time looking at research around, loneliness and it's like a huge global problem these days and it's funny because there's seven billion people on this planet with us and we're struggling with that ability to like find people who can really resonate with us 
And yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard. It's hard to start bridging that gap a little bit. Right. But I think that the way that you're going about this with like reaching out and, and like trying to share and grow yourself, like, and through that, you know, teaching people how to listen. I mean, I would imagine that once, once you find a person who like that clicks with, that that loneliness starts to kind of break down a little bit, you know, and you start to just really, it re it reinvigorates you to like keep going forward and keep trying to connect with others. Yeah. And so the sub is not, the sub is, uh, is a, is a place for me as well. You know, like I rely on it. I rely on that little tiny collective that we have. It's beautiful. It's beautiful people opening up and trusting us and trusting each other. It's great. Well, it's funny you bring that up because it's not just about like there's we have these like ideas about like if you're either a teacher or you're a student kind of a concept right like if you teach you have to teach you don't learn yeah. and if you're a student all you do is learn you don't teach but like the the reality is that we all learn and teach at sometimes at the same time and i think it's beautiful that you're like owning that process like really digging in and jumping in and like mm. being like yeah i'm both a teacher and a student like this is so that we all grow, like we never stop growing. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So tell me about like some of the, the, like, what are the surprising things that have come up as you've kind of started this whole listening movement? I mean, this is going to be me complaining a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. That you can absolutely, this is a totally a space where you can complain. It's totally good. <laughs> okay. I've been surprised at um, how much people sort of love workshops and um, coming in and having a safe space and learning how to meditate or, you know, learning how to deal with certain things, but um, not really wanting to pay. I don't mm -hmm. know if it is. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And I, I, I think it's partly how mental health, the mental health space works. Um, in Delhi, particularly, it's that, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like you're a litigating lawyer. And for the first couple of years, you just have to do things for free. And I don't know, I don't know, maybe it's just being a freelancer. I, that's been a little surprising. Mm hmm. I mean, but nobody wants to talk about that, right? They just want to talk about like the warm fuzzy stuff but economics of the whole thing are really important because like you can't grow yeah. what you're doing without some sort of economic base to be able to like you know make sure that you're okay right like we don't ever really want to talk about any of that stuff yeah no that i that's fair that's super fair so do you feel like um have you tried different kinds of of approaches at all or like is something um I know I have a couple of friends who are doing different things. Actually, I just had a friend who opened a, um, an, uh, a meditation wellness center. So she's doing, I think she's probably in a really similar space as you is like trying to get people involved and all of that stuff. It's, it's a challenge and having them actually pay for services, but doing it in a way that like, you know, is really fair to everybody. Yeah. So I, with that, so I started uh, by, you know, offering, my listening service, uh, listening services before I felt like I had enough con uh, confidence to call myself a psychotherapist. And I tried to offer that on a sliding scale, starting with 20 rupees, which is, I don't know how many cents that is. And, uh, you know, like 
there's you're you're in this it's it's this weird space of if you do it for free people don't take it seriously and but if you price it where like if i were to price it as per my experience so far i have the time it took me to learn that doing things for free does not work either <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. it uh, yeah it's 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 really weird to have had to build all of that experience um without getting paid for it and then when i'm ready to get paid for it i feel like i deserve more but the market is ready for it so it's like uh this profession <laughs> my career comes lowers like <laughs> no believe me i've got people like look at me funny too because of what i do but yeah <laughs> like, do you think that like do you does being a woman have play any sort of role in that do you think like perception wise I don't think it's um my like the gen- gender of what I present but the the value given to what I do mm-hmm. um it's and I don't know if I I don't think people necessarily understand what it takes to be able to hold space for an hour and a half for that many people and it's like unless you're already a Deepak Sharma or, or whoever them they'll pay you know but uh, somebody who's starting out somebody who may have an incredible amount of talent but it's not um, it's not that I, i can't show you results at the end of a workshop i can't it's not like a surgery or it's not tangible right so the challenge is it becomes it it starts to become close to art a little bit and then it, it, there's i don't think there's that much value or there's not that much trust in the value of that service Mm-hmm. somewhere like i'm i'm living my life basically convincing people to sign up for therapy and then come to therapy and then with resistance like they don't start out wanting to trust me how do people how do the like people in delhi and in india how do they actually view the whole notion of going to therapy is it like a normal thing to do in india or is it something that people are resistant to or you know skeptical of there's so in india again i don't know how in india a lot most of the people in mental health that i know are working on this thing uh, everybody's talking about stigma and there's there, i'm i'm so like i don't know what that word means anymore because i've heard it so much but there is there is resistance for sure now i don't know whether it i don't know exactly where it comes from It, it, it maybe it it's a, it's a sense of letting down the family maybe it's a sense of being too uh effeminate i don't know exactly what it is but it's very very strong and people basically first end up going to the psychiatrist and then go going to therapy you know really so it has to get to that level yeah it has to pretty much get to that level before um So you have to like break you have to like shatter into a million pieces before you'll even like start having therapeutic conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Because the assumption is that you have family that loves you, why can't you just talk to your family? Or really? What's wrong so that's with the family or the people around you. What's wrong with your social support structure? Oh, but the, uh, but obviously friends aren't talking and families aren't talking either much, are they? No, and not at all. And in families we can't we can barely be ourselves. We're we're so uh we're trying to please our parents we're pretty much it's a very it, we're a culture of you know worshiping our parents and really sort of we find it very difficult to uh 
individuate. So, so does it get heavy trying? Oh, does it get heavy trying to pretend to be, or like make other people happy all the time? It it is very heavy, but the cost of not doing that is also something that we're. Uh, it, it's like it's almost as though you there would in India there would be no reason to uh, take that risk or to put yourself through that pain because separating from parents cause, causes a lot of guilt um, unless there was a breakdown of some kind in the family or, or in the self. So like it's either, so the perception is then that people either have to like separate from their family, which is absolutely like catastrophic or to like just try to find ways to make them happy, which sometimes means suppressing who they are and what they want for themselves. Is that fair? That's a really yeah. hard, like, that's a really hard dynamic to navigate, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty paralyzing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I mean, how are how are your peers, your friends, like, navigating that? Because obviously you're trying to, like, cut through that kind of and create alternative options where like there's safe space and conversation and listening, but like, how are other people like, are your peers trying to do that too? Or do you feel like a lone voice in the night kind of a thing? <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. So, I mean, I have one friend that his family is very, they're, they're all artists. So in, in his particular family, which would be the exception rather than the rule, it's, it's, you know, it's a different uh, way of doing things and there maybe perhaps there's, pressure in the opposite direction too but anyway um, there are exceptions like that and then there are people that uh, we lead uh, double lives I think the majority of Indian like young Indians are probably leading a double life where they're not really honest with their parents and they're kind of like showing them what will showing them a side of themselves that will keep them happy and not getting anxious and then they're doing what they need to do on the side or there are people that have managed to game the system in a way that they'll like, there is a friend of mine who met a, a, her husband off of one of these marriage platforms and uh, dated him for a year without telling, without telling her parents. And so she kind of, they ended up getting married, but she got to have her romance too, you know, like just finding mm -hmm. ways of, yeah. That's really like that's that makes my heart sad knowing that so many people are like having to lead double lives just so that they can kind of keep, like follow old tradition but at the same time like find their own path that's really that breaks my heart It it is sad but you know I I think that there is it's not it's not it's obviously far from perfect but there is a certain value of having these interfering aunties and uncles and moms and dads in our lives. And I think we're just so, uh, there's something comforting about it. So if it was, if it really was something that was, um, like, I, I think this only works when the family is doing something for that person also. Like it's not as though they're feeling like they can't, they can no longer exist in that structure and they're doing this. It's just, it's just easier that way. Mm -hmm. or more convenient that way yeah that's fascinating so do you yeah. feel it that's, so do you feel like you have to have a double life with your parents 
no that's the great thing with uh, having survived this mental illness is and and it ha- having been i i also think i wouldn't i'm i'm one of those people that wouldn't have been able to do it like i would not have been able to live this kind of double life and i want my parents in my life and i want them to even if they can't accept all of it uh, all of my choices or if they can't embrace me for a thousand percent who i am i i don't want to lie lie to them so uh, i i i use that as an opportunity i use that uh, time as an opportunity to like rebuild from the ground up for myself and for with my family both so you're really being an example of like that third option of like being honest and still having a relationship that's positive and supportive yeah both and yes and yeah <laughs> 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 yeah, you're really, and there's and the, the like i mean the beautiful thing is that they're still sticking with you right like they might not understand everything all the time but they're growing right like they're still with you yeah yeah hold on so they're like a really they're really good parenting role models then for like all the other parents who are just really nervous about all of that stuff with their kids yeah like you you my mother is is at a point of like okay i know that i'm getting thoda anxious thoda means little and uh, the other day i wrote a piece and i i wrote a piece on um, limerence in in bollywood um mm-hmm. and i i traced it to so in india uh, sudhir kakkar is a psychoanalyst he says we have a ganesha complex not an oedipus complex and the ganesha complex is where uh the the child sort of lets go of his head, sense of self altogether rather than rivaling uh, the father and um, she i was a little worried about how she was going to react to that post she retweeted it man i was like okay who she <laughs> what she retweeted it <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, way to go mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, it took a while, but it's so worth it. Yeah. Do you, like how long have you been working on getting that getting them to this point with you? Like how long has this kind of openness been existing with your relationship? Um about 5 years. It's been very slow. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to this point in the last year, maybe a little less, but yeah. And now she's tweeting about retweeting your stories about the Ganesha complex. I mean, who knew? <laughs> yeah. I what I what and and you know that like so you know the people are like whispering about it like, "Oh, did you see she we treated this." It's like that's amazing. I love that your mom is like be more brave with all of that. That's awesome. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> Do, and I like that's so how does he, how about your dad does he feel like he is he doing the same kind of like positive pu- like public support like that too so he's uh, my dad's in the air force so he's not very uh, he's about to retire soon but like you know they're still strict about their online presence of this and that but yeah he's he's totally looking with his uh, profile without a profile picture <laughs> like <laughs> So he's really like sinking into the act of just watching and listening and then like s- s- sneaky liking things. Huh? That's cute. <laughs> yeah. That's really wonderful. I, mean, I think there is like his Indian dadness is uh, 
still somewhere at play it may be too much to ask but like i did this shoot recently uh, and i was wearing a bustier and these like you know these there was a bit of skin showing essentially and he couldn't process that <laughs> i sorry, i totally just snorted but like i don't think my dad could handle that very much either and <laughs> yeah yeah so that's <laughs> dads and like breast tissue showing and bustiers are not like their. Th- i just don't think they want their daughters to uh, they could like wait, have us wear like full turtleneck sweaters all the time pretty much <laughs> I, I don't know your dad but i could just see like his like his face like oh my god what's happening oh no. But I mean, he's still interested in his phone. (laughs) (laughs) Very, he was really excited about his phone right then. Like very, like zoning out. (laughs) That's fun. Well, what kind of photo shoot were you doing? That sounds really amazing. There's a really cool designer. uh, Her label's called Me, and she came out with some Me means me. She came out with a, a new outfit that uh, there was a makeup artist who's a friend of mine. She wanted so everybody's doing anything for Instagram, no? Like whatever will get us followers. So I was yeah, like okay, let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. So like you got all like the full on then dressed up and like really glamorous shots then. Dressed up, full makeup, on, like, yeah, and uh, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. This question kind of takes us back a bit, but when you think of like things that you want people to consider and when it comes to like listening and the work that you do, what are like the things that people should be like, if you had to pick three things, what would those be? Three things about listening better. Yep. Like if you wanted like people to walk away from this being like, oh my gosh, I need to become a better listener and rebuild relationships with my family in a more honest way. Like what are some of the things that you think people should really do? So I, I lost you a little bit in between. Are you asking how to listen better or how to broach the subject of listening and why that's important? Or uh, all of it. Like what are the, in your opinion, like if, if you wanted, if, like if you wanted people to really just start doing three things in their life related to listening, what would that be? Yeah. Right. Um, so the first thing is to stop talking, which is seems very uh, obvious, but it really isn't. For a lot of people, it's just you need to you need to stay quiet for long enough, especially if it's a person that usually is not talking or usually is not volunteering their thoughts. Like it, it will get uncomfortable, but you need to stay quiet for a little bit longer and not jump in with you know um, any inane thing to just break the awkwardness. It, you need to sustain the awkwardness. That's number one. Number two is ask open-ended questions. So not what happened, where were you, when did this happen, or even why, because why is a, is, it's a loaded uh, question. You want to reframe any why question as a what question and then make it open-ended and say, so how are you feeling right now? Or what about this was difficult for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And then, yeah, and let me think of what is the third. Yeah, never give advice. Don't ever give advice unless the person explicitly asks for it. You, your job is to just, your job is to just like help them figure it out for themselves. And if you ask the right open-ended questions, they will figure out their solution on their own and they'll really be thankful that you contain that space for them. 
you know, to do all of that, though, requires you to be a bit like non-judgmental and really like trying to stop fixing things. And I know for myself as a fixer, I like to fix problems, you know, like I like to dig in. It's one of those things that I've had to like turn off for myself is like sometimes people just don't want you to fix something for them. I, I mean, I was, I was just, it was just a thought that I, I had this tendency as well to want to like come in with a solution. And I, it, it's been a process of like sort of reminding myself that I am more than, I am more in this interaction than, um, you know, like my type A personality or my practical abilities or just like my, I have more to offer and maybe the sides of myself that I can explore also. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, I I love that you're leaning into like helping people navigate awkward because like awkward is a normal part of life. Like it's just, like we can't, it's part of human interaction. I mean, and so I love that you're like helping people to own that awkward silence and like learning how to work through it because it's awesome. I mean, I even think about like what we're doing here right now, right? Like Part of human interaction and getting to know people and having these kinds of conversations means that like we do have moments of like weird, awkward pauses or like, you know, stepping over each other a little bit. And we should be afraid to have that, you know, like it's normal. And I love that. So I just love that. Like the first thing you're about is like stop talking and lean into the awkward because it's so it's like so simple, but so important. Yay! So simple. I'm assuming what you said after. So simple. Yeah. Yay! I feel like we should make like a t shirt that says like lean into awkward or something like that. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) So I wanted to like, is there any other stuff that you wanted to talk about? Like, are there any things that like are weighing on you still? Like, I mean, I'm sure we could sit here and talk for like hours about different things, but like, is there stuff, anything else that like is weighing on you that you wanted to chat about? Weighing on me? Yeah. Like, I I guess you've been on the sub. uh, Just why are people lurking? Why aren't people sharing? Lurking. Oh my God. It's like a for real thing. (laughs) You know, like, I feel like that is like a big life question. Why do people lurk so much and not like contribute? And I, you know, I personally think it's because like, I think we have this desire to be voyeurs, right? Like we like to watch things and see, and like, there's this like, psychologically fulfilling piece of just watching but like Mm. i think that people are scared i think it's really hard to like lean into conversation even though like you i mean you're actually on reddit you're doing something very similar to girl talk right like you're looking for an anonymity and like there's no need to actually go into like personal like specific identifying details and people can share and like it's hard for people to start to figure out how to bridge that gap for themselves. Like, where do they start to lean into? I, that's what I, at least that's what I think. But it's, I, I think that you're probably going to have a lot of people start, like, once they start to feel comfortable, they'll just step out of the shadows for themselves. And like that, I think that moment when that starts to happen is like the most powerful moment of those people's lives. Because like to step out of that and like really start to own your experiences, your emotions and your feet, like all that stuff is just, 
It's great. But I mean, yeah, there's a whole lot of lurking. So I guess that would be like your fourth <laughs> thing, like stop lurking people, just lean into conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking to people is not scary. It's not scary. <laughs> They want it as badly as you do. Everybody's friendly, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Like no one wants to like be alone and not talk to like every. We're social beings. We are meant to talk to each other. I, I but it's I love that. Don't lurk the lurkers. I know we should have a whole separate conversation on like why do people lurk? Let's talk about this. <laughs> I love it. So any um, any other things that you want to chat about? Or, I mean, we can totally do this again sometime because I've loved talking with you. But um, is there any other stuff that's weighing on you that you feel like you just need to have get out today? No, I'm good. This has been great. Oh, fantastic. Well, Oxir, I've just had such a fantastic time talking with you today. And... Uh, I will definitely, I'm so excited to see what people think about our conversation. And so, yeah, I think the the best thing is for us to kind of wrap up for this moment here. And um, any kind of final thoughts you want to share or any like go team stuff you want to share? Like the last word is totally yours. Go team stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm thinking with this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> 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 <